0: I chose not to let
1: everything in,
0: win, but my drive to get me to the top. The what it do KTV and welcome to another episode of the Daily K podcast? This is KT and I have tonight a special guest with us, Educator author and founder of Emerald Rising, LLC, Miss London Underwood. How are you doing today, Ms. London? I am well, thank you. Look, I wanted to say thank you for taking some time out to talk about the work um, and everything that you got going on. The new book is very important here uh, to young ladies. So I appreciate you for taking a few minutes out. Thank you for having me. So as we get into it uh, before we start, I know that you are a high school educator. I am. So When we think about one of the places in education most impacted this is that <laughs> high school life. So just doing a check in, how have you been doing during the pandemic and how are you staying safe?
1: Um, I've been doing OK. I I've, I've been uh, fortunate enough to not have COVID and um uh, being safe just wearing my mask hand sanitizer have wipes all in my bags when i go into the classrooms and i'm fully vaccinated so <laughs> that's how i've been safe
0: yeah and that that is another thing about it just thinking about your role um as in-class support
1: yes in-class support yes, i'm so going to different classrooms
0: man that is a really- lot of kids <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i'm glad to hear you taking care of yourself sounds like you off to. uh you in front of it instead of behind it. So that's a good thing, being fully vaccinated. Thank you. Now, so give me a little bit of background on Emma Rising and your experience in this coaching arena, just to let people know you ain't new to this. Okay, so Emma Rising
1: actually started, it's been... (laughs) My business had started in 2012. It started as a wardrobe styling business for men and it just kind of went from there. And so when I started working with women in that arena, um it was a confidence thing. Like they didn't have the confidence when I took them shopping and so I was really coaching them on like loving themselves and being comfortable in outfits and things like that because We would go shopping, but then you wouldn't wear the outfit because you wasn't comfortable within yourself. And so then um, I lost the job and then I end up getting my master's in life coaching. And I just kind of put that all together. And so I do the coaching, but I focus on self-esteem and self-awareness because I feel like that's where everything begins. And so we've been in here for since 2012 and we're still going. Um, What I do now is mainly workshops in seminars. So um, I've since being in Houston, I've worked with um, Bridges of Hope and uh, my sister's keeper. And I work with women in transition from domestic violence, um, drug abuse, jail time. And we work um, with them building their confidence. So after the recovery, they can live a prosperous life.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. A lot of work that goes into it, and into to get a master's in life coaching like this. Yeah, that's that yeah. I mean, it's real. So give give us one of the tidbits that you do that people might not know.
1: The tidbits that I do.
0: Yeah, like um, love the life coaching. Like people thinking is you coming up with something creative, but how does it really work?
1: Um. So I mean, it just kind of depends. Like I think life coaching is kind of it can be difficult because people have to want it. So if you go in there and you're trying to tell this person to do this and do that, it may work, it may not work because the person has to be in the place where they're ready for it. So in my workshops, there are people that's actually ready to like face those behaviors, those traumas and get past them. And there's some people that are still stuck there. So you have to learn that as a coach that everybody's not ready at this time, especially in that workshop setting. And then there's also with clientele, you have to wait until people are ready because you can sit here and tell people something all day. And if they're not ready, then it's not going to work. So with my uh, Rose workshop, what the unique part of it is that we do like an intensive program. It's like eight weeks. And then I end it with a makeover in a photo shoot. So they can always remember, you know, them at that prime of when they were most happiest or after they got through all the the intensity of the workshop. So that's
0: what I did. Wow. So you end. So each participant of the workshop will come there. Now, do they know that they're getting the makeover and all that before they start? It
1: just depends on um, the people that's over if they tell them or not. And it, you know, it's different things. So, like with my sister's keeper, they got the workshop. And for Bridges of Hope, because it was so many, then we just did, we just broke it down. So, I'm flexible with the program and we can customize it to each Mm -hmm. organization.
0: Man, you got so much, so much awesome stuff going on. Thank you. Uh, But today, uh, we're here to talk about the book. Let's talk about dot, dot, dot boys. All right. (laughs) Oh, I mean, Super intriguing as a male, because I want to know, what are you saying about me? <laughs> oh, but really something that's important um, as we put it into context and thinking about that mother daughter conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what prompted you to write this book? And um, I know there's a lot of you, but as you went on through the through the writings and becoming a high school, just educator and seeing what they go through, did that come in at, at one piece of the book as well?
1: Um, it did. Just because I'm around teen girls and teen boys, I learned a lot from them. The boys kind of like, i they're around me the most. They like to get my advice on girls and things like that. Um, but what prompted me to write the book is just me being like in this season where I'm reflecting on everything childhood and uh, what happened in teenage years and how that really impacted me. And some of it was not good at all. Um, and then I realized that most of the things that I learned in the decisions that I've made through childhood, teenage years, young adulthood was, just me with only my knowledge or the people that are the same age as me. And so I'm not really learning. We're just like trying to figure it out and we're getting advice from each other, but we're not looking for those those older generations to actually give us that real advice. Mm-hmm. And I felt that if I had that or I felt comfortable enough to talk to my mom or my grandma, or my auntie about actual things that was going on that I might have went through a different path rather than, looking to my friends because we didn't we really don't know at the end of the day when you're a teenager you think you're grown but we didn't know (laughs) so that's how i made the two decisions that you know got me into some situations that i shouldn't have been in so
0: man it is so much easier uh my, my boy say my boy saying is experience is a great teacher but it's always better to listen when somebody tell you. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. And, and the, the killer part is we have to have this entire evolution of going through it and then coming back and saying, ah, I should have listened, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But but nevertheless, we are here, right?
1: Right. We're here. Right. And I'm like, you and know, my journey it. is my journey. So I had to be here for a reason. But if I can tell the next generation, like, yes. listen to your mom. She she knows. She's been there. You might not think that. But I think having that safety net in the house that builds that foundation to make better decisions. Okay.
0: So we're going to go a little personal on this one. Okay. Now, in the book, you're talking about having the conversations similar to the birds and the bees, I would say, in some parts of the book, <laughs> right, as we talk, talk through the life cycles. Uh, when was your first time going through that conversation with your mother, and um, how do parents who are looking for that right time in your opinion know that that this is the time to talk about that, my daughter.
1: Uh, um, so that's another the, the reason why I talked about that chapter. I did not have the talk at all, and <laughs> nobody talked to me about it. I talked okay. to like I knew about it from friends, music, TV. Um, so I did never have I never had that talk. So that's why I wrote about it because I think it's a thing. Like you can see things on TV or you can see listen to music, but. Just having sex, is a lot more in t- that's in t- like within it. It's a mental, it's emotional thing. And you don't know about that. Nobody's talking about that. And so I just, that's why, that was my reasoning because it's like, you know, you can do it, but it's things that come with it that nobody wants to talk about. So, um, yeah,
0: I just. Man, wow. just thinking about that, um, I'm not gonna lie. I'm in the elementary, and I'm seeing like the sex part and the physical part become mm-hmm. more glorified, and they're becoming more curious, you know. But but man, I think that's starting to happen even earlier when they're starting to have that conversation.
1: I think I feel like I think a parent when they have that hunch that they should have that talk, they have mm-hmm. that talk. I think for me, I talk about it in the book. I knew about sex probably at the age of five. Um, My mother didn't know that, I knew, of course, but I've had experiences where people at the age of eight were talking about it and talking about doing it. And so they think about an age, but kids are exposed to it. So the, the earlier when you see your kid... You have that hunch that they're knowing about things. That's when you should have that conversation, regardless of the age, because like it's getting embedded in their minds. Like like I said, I knew about it early. And so because I knew about it early, I wanted to have it early. And so that's why I needed that have that conversation. Um, so I think it's not a time limit I think is how you talk about it. So in elementary, you wanna talk about it in a way that they will understand it. As teenagers, you wanna talk about that complex, the emotional ties that you have, that mental that you're gonna have. Like this is not, you know, that's not a solidifying of a relationship. So you wanna talk about it as they progress, getting put the details in it because I think talking about sex is so taboo. And for parents, they might not have the talk. So, like, you know, if I had a kid, I didn't have the talk. So, this is just that pattern that, oh, we don't need to talk about it. But I think it's a very, very important topic and we should talk about it as soon as you That's have that that is. that is
0: in there. Yeah, because of technology. So yeah. It's like, who going to get to it first? Because they can catch anything on YouTube. You Any. know, so, and I'm seeing it just affect so many kids. So, Man, I'm just glad that we're talking about this today. Um and, and even diving deeper into specifically the uh mother-daughter relationship. So mm-hmm. these days we look around the world, so many strains uh mm-hmm. on that mother-daughter relationship just in our community. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the cases the parents say I'm not her friend, right? Uh mm-hmm. I'll never be her friend.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so then that never opens the doors to these type, type of conversations mm-hmm. that we need to have. Right. So how do we <laughs> do parents kind of start to open that door? And what are those first steps to being able to have that openly and successfully?
1: I think um in our community, it's always just being the adult being an adult, the kids being the kids and um they don't need to know my business or they don't need to know that yet. Um Also, I've seen that adults go through things too. They go through traumas. They have things that they're holding on. There's a lot of things that they don't want to talk about. So I feel like the first step um to any parent is if you have stuff if you have trauma if you have bad uh things of your past that you just feel like you're buried heal that um because if you're bearing it subconsciously that comes out you know you might not know that it affects your child but it does so i believe that you should heal that first so you can have those open conversations and don't be ashamed of your past as well um because your kid, you they need to know that the person that they live with have been through things because being a high school teacher i'm like the kids everything is like 10 times worse for them that's how they with social media everything is just so magnified and so they think that their parents have no idea what's going on but we had our things that was going on back in the day and so if they can have that connection being able to connect and not be ashamed of your past or what happened to you and just be open and honest, I think that's where that conversation starts. So I think it starts within the mother to be okay with everything that happened to her, with everything that's going on with her so she can pass on. And if she doesn't know how, get the help to, you know, talk to her daughters or her kids, regardless.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that that's what makes the relationships that we have, with the kids, so powerful, and that's mm-hmm. how we get them to open up. Because I don't think we're put on that parent-like strain of the relationship. And so when we talk about things, because the way we always get with them is we empathize with them and say, "Well, hey, this happened to me too." Mm-hmm. And they get to see, oh, you're a real person, or you yeah. Know, I remember I was in Walmart, and one of the students said, "Mr. Thomas, you're human." You know, because he just—I don't know if he didn't think I would, but you know, he just like you're—you're you're a human, and so mm-hmm. I think just being able to, like you say, regardless of what you went through, break that shield down and really empathize and and explain about that. So, awesome, awesome information. So now, give us a rundown of the book. Okay, you got to talk about your favorite your favorite. Channel.
1: <laughs> okay, so the rundown of the book um, Because like so me and my mom don't have a strained relationship It was just that communication piece. I didn't feel comfortable enough to talk to her about things So I, I wrote a letter to her first um, just to let her know that I appreciate everything. I love her to death Um, but it was some things that I probably needed her a little bit more in and so that's why I started a, um, Just a letter to her. Um, and so the breakdown is it goes from the men So I talk about um, my dad, my stepdad, and two uh, influential men that was in my life. Um, And then we go into the body um, because that's kind of started, you know, I was a chubbier kid. So that kind of started with my self-esteem and things like that. And then we go into the boys and then we go into the talk. And so I would say that my favorite chapter is how do I get him to like me? Because going through... I don't know i was boy crazy for forever but i was aggressive boy crazy like i was gonna make somebody like me okay yeah. and so i thought when i read that chapter i chuckle because i'm like girl you was a little crazy like like <laughs> you was a little stalker and so i i chuckled at that because it's like dang because i won't do that now but before it was just like this is a little embarrassing this is a lot so i think that chapter is my favorite chapter um, because it kind of just navigates. I didn't know, like, you know, I'm chasing after boys, and I didn't know about that mutual, like, you know, that's what you, that's what you t- go to, somebody that actually likes you too, instead of you liking mm-hmm. them and trying to force them to like you. Yeah. Um, so that's my favorite chapter. I, I laugh when I read that chapter because I was a little.
0: I don't hey, care. hey. <laughs> I gotta sure now. If Anybody want to know a little bit more about Miss London? I think we gotta get this book here. We make signs and stuff out here, <laughs> man. I, I love it. And so as I look at the chapters, um, like I say, it, it just seems to me like it's organized just in the way that, man, we should kind of highlight these things. And mm-hmm. so in section two, uh, which is titled "My Body," mm-hmm. and, you know, it makes me think about your role as a high school educator and, and their bodies are changing and what they're going through. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, so why is this section so important? Do you think so in your role now? And as young ladies read this, what will they be able to take from this chapter?
1: I think it's important because um, a lot of society tells girls how their body should be. Um, and so for me, that chapter was to show that you should be happy regardless. Um, don't change yourself based off of what this person says, even what your parents said. So I talk about In the chapters where, like, when I was eight, I had to do Tabo. I had to do Jody Wiley, Richard Simmons, because I was the chubbiest out of my family. They didn't know what to do with me because, you know, everybody was skinny. Um, And so for me that I internalized that. And sometimes when you internalize your outward looks, you put that to your worth rather than knowing that you're worthy regardless of what you look at look like. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's very important with the girls now, like. You will see girls wearing things that they're probably not comfortable with, but because everybody else is doing this, what they're doing. That's how they get their attention. They look to Instagram models. They look to everybody that's on social media. And this is how Mm -hmm. I look. So let me do that. They're ready to get the plastic surgery, be looking for things to actually alter their body rather than knowing that they're worthy regardless. And I I. I, my hopes, my prayers that they understand that they're beautiful regardless, whatever shape, however they feel about themselves, like own it. Things that you might not like, own it regardless, um, because it's you. You can't, you know, that's who you're supposed to be, and that your looks is not tied to your worth. Whatever's in the inside, that's all that matters at the end of the day. So that's what I want. That's what I pray that they take from that.
0: Mm, and that's kind of the message when you're doing the workshop as well. Yes. For sure, Man, that and that's it. So, thinking about the workshops, mm-hmm. it's nothing like unveiling the new material at the conferences. <laughs> so now, will you be how how will this go? Will you be adding uh, other authors to the book to make it a series? And then, when you get to the conferences, will now this book and, and those those pieces be a part of that woman testimony?
1: Um. So. I haven't gotten that far. I do know that as I'm reading the book and rereading the book, I'm like, oh, I could have added this and I could have yeah. added that. So I think I want to add more pieces to it, more stories to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know off the book, I want to make um, different activities, subscription boxes for mommy daughters. So they can actually read the book, be comfortable, make, um, I have planned to do, um, games and things like that to make that, um, that fellowship between mothers and daughters to be more comfortable at the conferences it just kind of depends on what the conference is of course i will be talking about the book but i do want to do um like more book clubs where we dissect the chapters mm-hmm. um dissect what i'm saying about myself and see if they can pinpoint where anxiety was there or low self-esteem was there so they can recognize those type of things and have those discussions so we can talk about you know how to get past that i didn't give anything in the book on how to get past it because i want the that this just to be the conversation starter because it's a lot of work that, in, that goes into it so i feel like if i would have put that in the book you say oh i got to do this and it doesn't work and then you just give up so it's just something that you have to like constantly go at and so um it just kind of depends on the conference but i will always in, i always talk about my stories in conferences regardless but mm-hmm. um with the book of course i'm going to you know talk about yeah. different stories yeah
0: yeah and it, and also when you think about the conversation starters uh just being able to have this for the coaching repertoire right mm-hmm. and being able to invoke those thoughts and emotions as you know you talk about where you want to go next i think is also awesome yeah yeah and then that leads me to the uh the discussion guide that goes Mm -hmm. not only did you write the literature but you gave us some training wheels in that too yes so now (laughs) what is that about talk to me about how So, so
1: so the discussion guide is breaking down each section and so i would kind of what i was saying like dissecting those chapters so i give like a paragraph blurb of what i was really going through that time and so then i have questions that the girls can ask their mom if they don't have their own questions and questions that the mom can ask the girl um just if they don't know how to start that conversation um because some things are very hard we talk like in the book i talk about my absentee father i talk about an unsafe household um so some things that you might a mother might not want to no, but she needs to know and doesn't know how to start so that's what the discussion guide is it's just questions to help you start get that co- getting that conversation going um so it just kind of goes through each section and so everything like a key point that i wanted t- to show in those chapters i kind of made a blurb about it and questions to go with it
0: yeah yeah very powerful man because <laughs> that reflection piece is is Ooh, like I said, we can read all day, but now give me a give me a little little extra help to comprehend this thing and put it into play. So thank awesome you. work on that! Um, but you know that's how it goes down the Emerald Rising LLC. Yes, right? thank you. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> so as we get ready to close out, and land this plane, um, we we turn in the corners. Uh, maybe we talk about a, a coaching person that you have that's really trying to get back to life, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to just find some sense of normalcy in this craziness. How do you work with those people and just give us a little bit of tidbit of what would you say to help us get back on track as we close
1: out? Uh to get back on track, um, yeah. we have to see where we are right now. Yeah. Um, find the happy within right now. What you're doing right now is good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see how we can go further. So then this what are your thoughts? What do you feel? What do you want? And we just break that down. We write that down. And how do we get there? One step at a time. I think right now, for me, I'm a type of person that it's okay to take a break. You don't have to go full force. You don't have to go all the way into it. Um, so like, let's talk, take baby steps if you can't just go full force right now. So it's just tell me what you want to do what's the first step that you need to do it and let's work on it. How do you get to that point? And then once we get there, you're comfortable and you're okay with it, let's go somewhere else. You're um, just ha- having grace with yourself at this point um, because I, I understand like trying to write a book in this moment, in, in this whole arena or just trying to make goals. It was just like, we're learning that our timing is not our timing and that's okay. And so just have grace. And just one step at a time. So that's Mm -hmm. what I will do to get you back to where you need to
0: do. Yeah, like you say, just what is that first thing? Don't chunk it for me. Don't don't just give me everything. Break it down. (laughs) 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 That teacher word. Okay. Give us the contact information. Where do we go to find you? Where do we go to find the book? The coaching services? All that.
1: Okay, so to find me on social media, I'm on Facebook um, and Instagram. It's Emerald Rising LLC on both. Um, and then for the book, you can go to Emerald Rising LLC. Um, it's a forward slash books. <laughs> so, and the coaching services too. So, Um You can find all the information that I do, a little bit of background, and past things that I've done on the blog.
0: Man, that's it. So, what's next?
1: What's we'll next? this book time. out. The pre-orders will be out in the mail tomorrow, and um, we're just going from there, just taking it one step at a time. When as opportunities come, I'll put them out there on social media. But right now, we're just focused about getting the books out and just pushing the book.
0: Have you tried out any um? what you call it, Closed circuit book signings.
1: Closed circuit book science. I have yeah,
0: just invited a few people or, or
1: something. Um, I have things in my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, we're talking one step at a time. <laughs> so, hey,
0: there we go. Be true to it. <laughs> one step at a time. I love that. <laughs> so, All right. Well, I uh, want to say huh? thank you for um just thank you for taking some time out today and and really giving us some info about the book uh the importance of having those conversations for young ladies. Um, and and just talking about the business. Thank you,
1: thank you for having me. I, I, My I, first podcast uh, of the year.
0: Hey, <laughs> 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 oh, I look um I look forward to having you back and uh learning more information about the book signing when it's time. I got you. All right, then <laughs>
1: it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen.
0: Okay. Uh, hey, all right. This is KT for KTTV signing out. One hundred.
1: Thank you.